You're listening to In Her Voice, a podcast brought to you by Women in Hollywood. I'm your host, Melissa Silverstein, and this podcast is dedicated to supporting and amplifying the voices of women who work in the global entertainment business. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. If you listened to my podcast the other day, you know how Can has some issues with women, particularly women of color. And my two guests today are really here to talk about how we can uplift women of color, particularly Black women, at the Cannes Film Festival. They are working on an event that, if you are listening to this on Friday morning, that will be happening in Cannes on Friday afternoon. And also, there will be events on Saturday. My guests are Yolanda Brinkley, who created Diversity in Cannes, and Melanie Hoyes, who is the Director of Inclusion at the British Film Institute. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, Yolanda Brinkley and Melanie Hoyes. Thank you both so much for being here to talk a little bit about the Cannes Film Festival and Cannes' lack of Black women in its history and what we are doing to rectify that situation. Hello, everyone. My name is Yolanda Brinkley. I am the founder of Diversity in Cannes, the international film movement promoting inclusion at the Cannes Film Festival, where it is not the first priority. Established in 2010. Before diversity and inclusion were trending in Hollywood, before it was a hashtag, I was here on the ground. (laughs) Hi, everyone. And thanks for having us, Melissa. I am the head of inclusion at the British Film Institute in the UK. So me and my team look after the strategic aims of diversity and inclusion internally at the BFI, but also advocate for best practice, good conversation, action in the main across the industry and globally. Just a small amount of stuff. Just a little bit of a job. Yolanda, you said you were founded in 2010. Why the hell would you do this. I understand why. And I think it's amazing. But what made you be like, oh, I want to start an organization about diversity in camp? (laughs) Melissa, seriously, I studied abroad in Cannes while while an undergraduate. So I know the city, know the language. Got here in 2009 for the very first time. Was threatened by some friends. They said, don't come back without any footage. So they sent me with their video camera and I rolled up on all the people who looked like me asking questions like, hey, what are you doing here? How do you get access to the parties, et cetera? None of us knew anything. Like nobody knew shit. If I can say that on your podcast. Oh my God, you can say shit and fuck all you want. No, nobody knew anything. And so even though I spoke the language and I knew the city was comfortable, I still felt like an outsider. But it was so beautiful. Everything about it was beautiful. I know it was beautiful, but just being here, the sun is shining, it's gorgeous. And I was like, maybe I'll never come back. This is not the place for me. But then I decided nobody dictates the place for me but me. And that's when the idea of diversity in can, which was possibly Blacks in can, which was possibly something else in can. But over the course of that year, from 2009 to 2010, when I said, there's not enough of us to necessarily make a whole movement. There's not enough Black people to make a movement. But then I didn't want to come all the way to France and just network with 
black people because clearly we don't have all of the power to green light. I think we need, and also to expand, I think we need to expand our audiences. So then that's how it became diversity in Cannes. And I said, I'll promote all underrepresented filmmakers telling stories specific to marginalized populations. And it's proven to work. That strategy seems to have worked. Absolutely. And I remember when I first became aware of Cannes, so I started Women in Hollywood in 2007, and it was a couple of years into it. And I was just like, started like getting the articles from the trades. And then I would be like, wait, there are no women directors in this competition. And I had this idea to do these infographics back in the day, where we would just count, counting, counting, counting because that was the beginning of this whole movement was the counting, right? The statistics. And while I am not a researcher or anything like that, it's not really hard to count to zero. And we put out these infographics and then I was just like, oh my God, this place is super problematic. So it's very pretty, but like beyond the pretty, it's super problematic on so many fronts. Yeah, that was the beginning of the insanity of me and Ken, and now I am not putting myself through that anymore. All I want to say is this. I want to make sure that I get this out. I have decided last year that I'm done attempting to fight the patriarchy that is here at Can. My goal, although it's been a sub-goal, is now to encourage people, Black women, other underserved populations and underrepresented populations to come and take advantage of the film market, the mm -hmm. business of film, because there's business to be done and business to be had. And you have to continue to show up. Even if they don't recognize you, you have to continue to show up. So that evolution and that change happened last year when I did the Can You See Us yep. campaign. There was only one Black woman in 75 years. Yeah. And now two this year. Yeah. No, I think that's super important for the filmmakers to be on the ground if they can afford it and if they can go. But Melanie, talk a little bit about your role at the BFI, because I am always, I look up to the BFI as like, you guys do the work. Not always perfect, took a long time to get here, but you're doing the work just got an email saying you're doing sustainability now so it's just you're my north star and melanie you're in that star there so talk a little bit about the bfi commitment to inclusion and what you do sure yeah just to note that i started as a researcher so i started this journey and and my career in diversity and inclusion through data and through the recognition of starting the conversation at a level of this is where we are and it's not anecdotal and this is where we are so how do we move forward from that in my team and where I sit in the organization is under our CEO. And we've made the case very clearly that the work that we do sits across everything. And what I'm interested in is action and accountability and how we are linking communities into the opportunities that we provide as an organization and how the way that we do things as a as an industry, as an organization, as a society produces barriers that might not allow people to take part in those opportunities through our best intention. So as a team, a lot of what we do, as well as kind of overarching international advocacy and speaking and big 
stuff and policies and things that run through our work is also stuff like this. So Yolanda and I met, it will be nearly a year since we met, it's our anniversary, Yolanda, on a panel that she was doing for us at the BFI at the UK Pavilion. And we just had a lot in common in terms of the work that she was trying to do and who she was trying to uplift and bring into spaces, which is a really big thing for me too, is how do we bring people into those spaces? So we started planning and this is how we got to this year. So there's a few things going on, but a couple of things that we've done this year in our team is make space for black and brown producers. It can, it will be black women. We want to do this. And we're really interested just going back as well to what Yolanda was saying in terms of the intersectionality of people that we're trying to reach as well, because we realize diversity isn't just one or two or possibly even three things. It's a multitude of things that keep people out of our industry. The layers of those barriers keep people out of the industry. So we're really interested in how we can utilize the opportunities and the spaces that the BFI provides and has the platform to provide, but that those opportunities are going to the right people. So this year we took black and brown producers to Berlin. We're doing the same. So we're bringing black women to Cannes this year to take part in the activities that we're doing and setting them up with all of the right tools to be able to network or meet people that are going to fund their films or finance their films. That is really important to us that we are opening up those opportunities, but also creating a space of community and safety for those people to come into spaces that don't always feel like they're for them. So I feel like Yolanda and I were really on the same page for that. So that's why we were trying to make Cannes happen in this way this year. Can you talk a little bit about creating those spaces for community and safety in a place that doesn't feel so safe? How do you go about doing that? I think it's partly the recognition of that in the first place. So understanding that we are not asking people just to assimilate into spaces that that don't that are not for them or don't feel like they're for them. Some of that is just providing the space. So allowing people to enter the space gives them permission to be there in the first place. That happens quite quickly. As soon as you step into the space, you're like, oh, it's just, it's fine. It's just people doing the same thing as me. And I also think, so I'm bringing members of my team with me so that, and other people that will support that have been to CAM before, that are from the same communities that can speak to shortcuts or issues in a way that other people might not think about. So I think it's the recognition of that and then providing the support from us to be there if, if anything is needed, setting up some meetings with people that we know will be good in that space and that hopefully will not be harmful in that space. And then secondly, just providing spaces of networking and community on both sides of the fence. So generally with the rest of the industry, but also specific community spaces. So last year, just a couple of us from the BFI, Black women were, oh, it would be nice if we just got together all the Black women that we know that are going to be in Cannes, because I bet there aren't many and maybe we could just hang out and have a different type of conversation or a sort of create that space for ourselves so we had about 12 or so people just like and it was really quick we just got to people in our phone so this year one of the events that we're doing is expanding that and trying to get as many of those people to a lunch as possible to mingle with the cohort that we're bringing of producers and just create that that space too so those moments of connection which I don't think we're very good at as an industry I feel like people are siloed more generally across the industry and it feels quite competitive so just that moment of bringing people together where business can happen but also just solidarity and understanding and 
community in a space where you can feel like you're the only one a lot so it was a really beautiful thing last year because we were like where's the restaurant and then I saw all these black women stood on the corner and I was like we're in the right place it must be this one so those kind of moments of just me and my friends call it a utopia where you're just sat with people who get it and who are in that space with you so we try and do that as well as creating access to the rest of the industry and space that people are entitled to be in as well so I think that's important to do. Thank you. Yolanda, do you think anything has changed in Cannes since you have been coming? And talk a little bit about the progression. And particularly with your work too, people are recognizing it more. Yeah, I've been screaming diversity and inclusion since 2010, but people don't hear me. The mainstream, they don't hear me. They only hear you when a celebrity or someone starts talking about the issues. And this is in Cannes in particular. And in Cannes in particular, but also in the industry. Got it. And I'm going to give you an example of when they started the Me Too conversation. And it wasn't until someone said, wait a minute, there's this Black woman named Tarana Burke that's been talking about Me Too for years. We can't have this conversation without talking to her. But someone had to say that. Someone of a little more status. So diversity and inclusion has become an, an elitist effort. So until the elite start talking about it, it's not important. When they do, then it becomes relevant. You mean so white people? I, well, the white people, right? Yeah. Or it could be a white person or, for instance, when it was Oscar so white. And then when Jada started mm -hmm. talking about Will and his nomination or lack thereof up during the academies then it became a big deal it's always a big deal but then it became a really big deal yeah so, so that's a a april rain and the oscar so white she's a woman of color she is yeah. but my point was until then like jada jumped it's an elitist thing even though it affects the more common folk it's become an elitist conversation so for me and my experience at can I don't do it for their recognition. I think that it would add a little more validation to what I'm doing if I were recognized by the organization. But at the end of the day, I've been able to take off 14 years without their assistance, without their acknowledgement, without anything. And it's the filmmakers that helped me to continue to get the exposure. So you said more people are starting to talk about it or there's more exposure. It's really because of the filmmakers and then also potentially because of my relationship with Juvie Productions, which is the company of Academy Award winner Viola Davis and her husband, Julius Tenen. But he's the person that I have the relationship with. I don't have a relationship with Ms. Davis or anything like that. So over the years, I have not seen that much of a progression, but I will say this year, and I don't know if it's because of the new president that's a woman, there's three Black people that I've seen, three Black women specifically. One that's a jury member, one that's on the shorts jury, and Ramata Tule Sai that's in the official competition. So in terms of progress, yeah, but anybody can count to three. Like you said, it's not hard to count to zero and it's not hard to count to three. When you think about all the 100 plus people that they have 
in any position, whether it's in competition on certain regard, special screening, jury, et cetera, there's hundreds of people. So three, three out of hundreds, that's not really progress. It's yeah. visual progress, but it's not progress. And they're not making progress and they continue to make excuses about why. And then I've actually had a conversation with the Marche du Film. The woman is an Eastern European and she wants to talk about impact countries. So she still wants to talk about white people in terms of the diversity and inclusion. And they don't even want to call it diversity and inclusion. They want to call it impact. So I don't have time for those kinds those kinds of conversations. I have time for conversations that are gonna be meaningful and that are gonna have lasting impact on the industry. So although I don't wanna have those conversations, I reach out to her since we've made initial contact, I reach out to her every year to ask, oh, what are you doing? What's your programming? Oh, we've already it's already complete, nothing's happening. So she doesn't even wanna have a conversation with me anymore. But we're even because I don't want to talk to her either because what I'm doing doesn't, she doesn't have an impact on what I'm doing. It's not the biggest movement. It's not the most recognized, but we are making an impact on the lives of black and brown and handicapped and gay and lesbian people here on the ground at Can by providing them an intimate platform to be seen and heard at the Cannes Film Festival and creating their own table in their own space. That space is so important because a lot of the work that we're trying to do as well is remove those excuses. So that's why it felt to us to be really important to celebrate. And whilst we look at things and Yolanda looks at things intersectionally, there are moments to be really specific about what we're talking about and to lend a platform to Black women in this moment when there's been so little representation for them at Cannes and across the industry that it felt really important to just provide that space and uplift the amazing talent that we're bringing the amazing talent that Yolanda has that come to Diversity Day every year and give them a space to be able to show that because I think the excuse is that there isn't that talent we just don't know where those people are and that's why it's part of a much bigger Festivals are one thing, but it's part of a much bigger conversation across the pipeline of what is being, who's being allowed to make, who's being enabled or gate kept out of those funding decisions or whatever, whatever it is. There are so many layers to the who's who gets the money to be distributed in the right way to the right audiences. So there's so many layers of it, but obviously festivals and awards become these kind of moments of um, being able to count and being able to recognize. So just creating that space and removing the excuses is what we wanted to provide. And also, I think just not doing another diversity panel. It's like, how can we just. Oh, my God. Right. Yes, please. How do we use those spaces to elevate? So we know what the issues are. At least I do. I've counted two uh, yeah. to numbers. We've so counted to two when yeah. Black women who've been in competition and can in the history of this festival. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually sick of research showing me that. Yeah. Spend the money on something else. Work is two or three or one or zero. Like, I don't need you to keep spending money on research. Nora Ephron had that quote where she was just like, I don't want to be on another where are the women directors panel. And then there's over the last decade, there's been like, how do we get more diversity panels? It's no more panels. Just fucking do the work. Exactly. And so let's talk about the work, talking about this 
abundance. There is an abundance of talent out there. There is not a scarcity. Scarcity is about the patriarchy and white supremacy. They want to keep people outside. So if you enter with that decision that we're abundance, you don't get into that headspace. So talk a little bit about your celebration of Black women that you're doing this year. Where is it? When is it? Who can go? As for the celebration of Black women in film, the itinerary is a two-day program. We're working on a third day, but that's up in the air right now. But the kickoff is a lunch at La Pizza Crecci here in Cannes on the ground. This is for Black women specifically. Okay, Black women only for the lunch, great. Yep, for the lunch, and it's open. And then we move into the UK Pavilion for a panel about demystifying film finance as a way forward. It's not just talking, we don't have any money. Let's see how we can get money. And what day is this? This This is Friday, May 19th. Friday, May 19th, got it. Yes, and that's open to everyone, Black women and their allies. Great. And then it leads into a networking reception. So we want everyone to come, but we do want our initial kickoff to be for Black women only. Of course, we're not going to turn anyone away because we do promote inclusion, but we do want something specifically for us to shine. Like Mel said, that utopia for all of us to stand on the corner Yep. By the police station in Pizza Crutchy. <laughs> and you can take a big picture. And take up space. I would love to see that. Yeah, take up space, please. And just to note that that day, so the the lunch will be hosted by Aquia Gyamfi, who runs the British Blacklist here in the UK. And we also have support for the day from Time's Up UK as well. They were really interested in this and elevating what we're trying to elevate here. I'm really uh, glad there's a Time's Up that still exists that's doing good work. And then we go into the next day, the 20th on Saturday. And what is happening that day? So we have space in the Marche de Film on the Saturday. And that is the space that we really wanted to elevate and showcase the work of Black female filmmakers. So we have Yolanda's going to be moderating for us, which will be amazing. We have Johanna Maccabee, who's a filmmaker from France, Zoe Martinson from the US. We have Chantelle Rochester and Kelly Robbins-Hicks, who are Black female producers who make up part of the cohort from the UK that's coming. So just some really amazing talent with some great stuff to talk about. So I feel like that's just going to be a really abundant joyful conversation with those guys and then after that we have a space for networking so we really want people in the audience to come who are interested in learning about this work and want to come and speak to the filmmakers afterwards and we'll also have our own the rest of the cohort will be there as well so we have Nadine Marsh Edwards and Yvonne Igazibo so they're all going to be there too so we just want people to meet and learn from and give opportunities to the people that we're bringing out not even opportunities money help to make the films that they're Show them the money on. yeah exactly so it'd just be great if anybody's interested to come to that so that's at the marche so you will need passes to get into those elements but we can also help with that so just do get in touch if people are interested in coming okay um, they will need to get in touch with us by tomorrow really mel Oh, yes. okay. 
this is not going to come out by tomorrow. So we'll figure that part out. If somebody hears this and is desperate, we'll figure that out. Okay. Is there any last thing that you want people to know about the work of the fight for inclusion for more women of color in this industry? Yeah, I'd really just encourage people when we do this work and this is work that we have to do to create space in places that there isn't necessarily space or easily space for people to show up and represent and support because that allyship I know everybody's tired we're all tired it is a fight it's a fight every day but it's so necessary and it's urgent for the sustainability of our industry I can't even begin to talk about that enough. This isn't just for fun. It's not just a side project. This is what everybody should be getting involved in and doing. So I'd really just like to encourage that and an engagement with this work and the work that Yolanda's doing, the work that the, our team are trying to do, the work that the BFI does just to elevate that and help to move things forward because it feels more urgent than it has ever felt. Absolutely. And I concur with that. The one message that I have for Black women specifically, and then underrepresented filmmakers and populations is that you take control of your career. There is a global world out here where there may not seem like there's opportunity. You have to use your resources, tap into your own networks, expand your networks, and don't expect the oppressor to finance your dreams. Find a way to make it happen on your own. It's a battle, Mel said. It's a fight to the end, to the death. But if this is what you want to do, then you have to find your way forward without, again, waiting on the oppressors to give you the permission or to create a space for you at their table. We all do this work because we believe storytelling is so important. And we believe that stories are the way people connect with each other and that the storytellers have been not diverse. Like we don't see the stories of people who don't look like us. Me personally, I'm a white person. I spent my life watching male stories and I feel joy when I see stories that are, it's joy, joy to see stories that bring me into a new world, that teach me things, that connect me. And I think that's quite simple, right? It's simple, which is like, we're all part of one world. There are a lot of stories out there and we need to center different kinds of stories now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Stories can teach us about the world. That's what we look to them for. Exactly. We've all grown up watching white male stories. And that just goes to show that we love film and that's our history. So films are for everybody. Stories are for everybody. People can relate to stories no matter who they're about. In fact, they're more likely to if they're going to learn something about humanity and learn about people that are next to them. So this, yeah, that feels like a no-brainer to me that we want to just tell as many stories as possible. And you want to, and you're talking about learning, you want to teach people the right the authentic, the truth. We don't want other people telling our stories because nine times out of 10, they're going to get it wrong. Right. So no matter what you have to do, whether it's on an iPhone, the iPhone or the telephone has democratized the industry, make some shit on your phone, take the Issa Rae route and go get what you came to get. Lean in and take your space. Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank you both so much for your time and for the work that you do. You're both so inspirational 
and good luck on the ground. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to share with a friend or better yet, follow us on Spotify and give us five stars or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Spreading the word really helps us reach as many people as possible. You can also subscribe to the Substack for the Women in Hollywood weekly newsletter of all content buying about women that is opening and streaming. You can sign up directly at womenandhollywood.com. In Her Voice is produced by Leonie Marsh. This is a Women in Hollywood Productions podcast. I'm Melissa Silverstein. Until next time, goodbye.